G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. One of the greatest doctrines in the Bible has to do with grace. Amazing, wonderful grace. And in today's program, we're going to see that when you have God's grace, you have access to everything you need. Our series is entitled Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. When you understand the Bible, friends, and put it into practice, you not only can face the future with confidence, but you will live your life not on sinking sand, but on the rock. We're looking at 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 13. And in this passage is mentioned one of the great doctrines of the entire Bible. And without any further ado, let me just read a couple of verses from 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 9. Actually, even verse 10. Paul is talking about the thorn in the flesh. And he said, For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When Paul faced a vexatious situation, the thorn in the flesh of which we actually don't know what it is, he didn't say. All we know was a messenger of Satan, allowed but limited by God, to buffet him so he didn't get a big head because he had gone to the third heaven, <laughs> as per the verses in earlier in this chapter, chapter 12 of Second Corinthians. What happens is that he prays to God three times that this thorn in the flesh would be removed. Now, God doesn't actually say, no, I'm not going to remove it. What God says is, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Hmm. That's the answer. And it is an amazing answer because really what we see here is that whatever we face in life, when we seek the Lord, we might get immediate deliverance or we may not. But if we don't get immediate deliverance, don't think you've just been left to hang out and dry. The fact is that God's grace is on you, and to have God's grace working in you is probably even more important than having deliverance. You see, if you're delivered from the trouble, there is the temptation to return back to old lifestyle and carnal ways. That's what happened to the children of Israel, especially we see it in the book of Judges. When they were not afflicted, they went astray. Then when they went astray, they were afflicted. And they cried out to God. God faithfully delivered them. Their judge was the great leader that helped them through it all. And then after a while, once delivered, 
they return back to their old ways. Now, of course, in Christian living, we have the cross of Jesus. We have the full word of God, Old and New Testament. We have the anointing and fullness of the Holy Spirit. All these things give us an edge over those who are in the Old Testament. But the thing is, the grace of God is made perfect in weakness. We don't appreciate it until we are totally weak, abandoned at the altar of God, discovering that God is all we have and that God is all we need. His grace is sufficient for us. Paul was spiritually mature, and that's why he says, I take pleasure in what? In infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. Because when he is weak, then he becomes strong. He also goes on to speak about that wise people don't boast, but because the Corinthians were not in a mature state, he really had to tell them. Hints didn't help. They had to be served the words undiluted. He talks about his signs given as an apostle, and an apostle has signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Amazingly, despite all this proof of his apostleship, there are still those that doubted who Paul was as well as those who were detractors. And then he gives them a little admonition. Because they contributed nothing financially to his ministry, others did. Other churches supported him so he could serve them. And in a sense, it made them inferior, but he didn't want to put charge on them. Maybe now is the time to grow up and take the responsibility to count the servant of God worthy of double honor. All right, we're going to read the entire passage here of 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 13. Our lesson will be called, My Grace is Sufficient. And that reference again, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 13. For this thing, the thorn in the flesh, I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commanded of you, for in nothing am I behind in the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs, and wonders, and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. The 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 13. As I have said, this is a very emotive epistle. It's very human. It's very personal. And yet, it is the Word of God, and it speaks volumes to us, as we have learned, those that have been following the series, volumes and volumes, till now. So, let's go through this carefully, verse by verse. 2 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 8. He says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. So he's basically saying three times Paul prayed that this vexatious thorn in the flesh would leave him, get out of his life. Now, didn't we have a similar situation at the Garden of Gethsemane with the Lord Jesus Christ himself? He sought the Lord, I believe, three times as well, that if possible, let the cup of suffering pass from him. Yet... Not his will, but God's be done. That is a remarkable, remarkable prayer. No, Christ wasn't delivered from the cross. He was delivered 
to the cross, but as Hebrews 12 and verse 3 tells us, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and despised its shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was not delivered from, but to. Paul was not delivered from his thorn in the flesh, but to. We believe the reason he stated earlier that so that he would not become big-headed or proud because of going to the third heaven and seeing what he saw. That's probably the reason why it happened, but also I think God wanted to work in more grace into Paul's life, and there's nothing like weakness, infirmity, limitations, dependency, having our natural resources depleted. There's nothing like that to experience the fullness of God's grace. God's grace is like God's love, the most wonderful force in the universe. We don't earn the grace. We simply humble ourselves to receive it, knowing that as we humble ourselves, he gives us more grace and more grace. Remember, humility is not speaking bad about yourself or downing yourself or bagging yourself. It's simply acknowledging that I am weak, God is strong. I need God, God doesn't need me. But I also not only need God, I want God. That's the attitude of true humility. Oh, furthermore, I surrender to God. I trust God. Complete surrender, perfect trust. This is all encompassing the grace attracting humility, and that humility, when it increases, so does the grace. In God's grace is everything, friend, you need. Material, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, and eternal. That's how wonderful it is. God's grace is sufficient. Well, that's what verse 9 is of 2 Corinthians 12. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So it appears that God gave Paul a different answer to what he wanted. Paul wanted the thorn removed. God answered by speaking of all that is grace and all that is sufficient in grace is good enough for Paul. The enemy will not prevail against you, and you will still stay above the fray. The more you are buffeted into weakness. Remember, Paul was a very strong man organically. The more it will be God's strength that will sustain you and be manifest to the world. Now, Adam Clark, who wrote great commentaries of yesteryear, I believe in the 19th century, said, For the weaker the instrument I sue, the more the power of my grace shall be manifested. Because of this, Paul boasts in his weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest on him, like a tabernacle that covers and overshadows us. Think of the grace of God like a dwelling, protecting you, helping you, shading you. And because of this, we believe in healing, even though not everyone gets healed. Some people say that if people don't get healed, they don't have enough faith, or maybe they have hidden sin, or even overt sin. Not necessarily. Paul had faith, Paul practiced healing, Paul prayed, Paul was a righteous man, but he was not delivered at that time from the thing that afflicted him. The higher purpose was to be fulfilled, namely, to keep him humble and relying on the grace of God. Now, friend, what is it that you face? Everybody has a mountain that stands before him. Everybody, without exception. Something happens in our lives, and the mountain may not move when we want it to move. But you know what? The winners, the overcomers, don't give up. They keep going as much as they can, as far as they can, as joyfully, as thankfully as they can. They keep going. And if there's lessons to learn, 
they learn them quickly. If there's sins to be confessed and forsaken, they do it. If they simply just have to stand in faith and wait for God's timing for the mountain to move, they do it. Well, whatever the case may be, friends, you're not alone. God is with you, and the body of Christ is also with you. We pray for you. We pray that your faith will not fail, that you will just bask in the grace of God. Think of it like a like a wonderful hot shower on a cold winter day. Just enjoy the grace of God coming on you, because it will as you submit to God and as you trust in God. This is the key to obtaining the amazing grace. Verse 12 or 10, I should say, of 2 Corinthians 12. Paul goes on to say, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That's a pretty big catalog of things to deal with. Infirmities, that either means sicknesses or limitations. Reproaches is when you're spoken evil of or looked down upon or rejected. Necessities, meaning there's things you need in life and you don't yet have. Persecutions, which are no picnic, but they happen in all kinds of ways, even in the Western world, especially on the increase in the Western world. And distresses for Christ's sake. Now, to the flesh, This sounds like insanity, but it truly is spiritual wisdom. Because when we are weakened, then infused with God's grace, we become strong. And let me tell you, the weakest saint is greater than the strongest carnal person. So when Paul says he takes pleasure in the hassles and hardships of life, it's not because these are wonderful things, it's because he gets to experience God's grace and power more and more. 2 Corinthians 12, 11, I am a fool in boasting, where he basically is saying this, I become a fool in boasting, you have compelled me, for I ought to be commended by you, for nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. So let me recap what he's saying here. Wise people don't need to boast. But you immature, obnoxious Corinthians have compelled me. You could and should have vindicated and commended me for my work and defended me against my opponents within your midst. But you have not. Furthermore, just remember, I am not a second-class apostle. I am not behind any of the apostles. I'm certainly on par with even the super well-known apostles, though in the natural I am nothing. That is, in essence, what he was saying. He goes on to tell us in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 12 that truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you in all perseverance or patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So he is saying here that despite your doubts, and he's talking about the faithless minority under the false apostle, despite their doubts about his apostolic authority, it was there for the entire world to see. He persevered in situations that would have destroyed weaker people. The authority and anointing of the Holy Spirit was upon him in demonstration of signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Amazing that despite all this abundant proof, Paul's divine mission should have been very obvious to anyone but the doubters and detractors persisted. And you know why? When your heart is hardened, your mind and eyes are blinded, and things can be done under your nose, and you would be oblivious. Our final verse for this lesson, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For what 
is it, wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. All right here. This is a very delicate matter, but it's being broached. What Paul is saying is that it was the Corinthians' duty and privilege to support their apostle, this father figure, like any other church would do. Don't muzzle the ox when they tread the corn. A workman is worthy of his wages, and especially count those that labor among you worthy of double honor, especially those who minister in the word and doctrine. These are all New Testament principles, which the Corinthians did not observe. Whether they didn't know it or they chose to ignore it, I cannot say. But what the apostle is telling us here, that they should have supported him, but other churches filled the gap that they did. Why? Because Paul did not require the Corinthian church to minister his needs. Then he says tongue-in-cheek to be forgiven for this wrong. What wrong did he do? Well, for not encouraging them to invest in his ministry, thus making them equal with other churches who had done the right thing and sown into the apostolic work. Well, what a challenge he had. What a high-maintenance uh, situation. But our lesson is entitled, My Grace is sufficient for you. And that's what Paul had been living on all along. Otherwise, he would not have survived. Not even a tough guy like him. So the lesson is called, My Grace is Sufficient, and the lesson for life. If we can connect and grow in God's grace, problems will diminish and blessings flourish. Let me repeat that. If we can connect and grow in God's grace, problems would diminish and blessings flourish. Remember to come to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter, helping you to become future ready through articles on the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. In addition, visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name for the good work you've started and that you will complete. Thank you. Your grace is sufficient for us, so let us stay in the grace. Let us receive it. Let us give it out. Let us revel in it. For the mighty name of Jesus makes it possible, in whom we pray. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.